Welcome to the Injection Connection, in-depth discussions with thought leaders and professionals in the polyurethane infrastructure repair industry, hosted by Jim Spiegel, Vice President of Alchemy Speedtech and board member at the International Concrete Repair Institute. Okay, so we're live here. Uh, this is episode four of the, the Injection Connection with the host here, Jim Spiegel. Um, on this episode, we have uh, A1 Foundation Crack Repair. Uh, we have Adam and Rich on. Uh, you guys are obviously both uh, very experienced chemical grouting professionals, uh, mostly on the residential side. So what I'm going to do is um, turn it over to you guys and have you tell us just a little bit about your company and how you guys got into chemical grouting and, um, and let you take it away. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Uh, thanks for having us on. Uh, actually, it's a little side note. Rich is uh, tech, out of the office at the moment here, so you only get yours truly and me okay. today. Um, but uh, I, I feel like I can carry the torch forward here for us. Um, yeah, so A1 Foundation Crack Repair was basically founded by accidents um, in the 90s. Rich, who was the founder of the, uh, the business, was in uh, home construction uh, and flipping homes prior to flipping even being a, a word and uh, rehabbing homes. And he came across a house that had um, a pretty significant fire in it. And part of the issues were um, in the foundation were that there were some significant cracks that leaked water and, and being a uh, pretty savvy individual, kind of knew that the hydraulic cement option that uh, most people and homeowners will try was a, a short-term solution, and he was going to try to sell this house over a period of a few months, and you know wasn't sure if a hydraulic uh, cement was going to withstand some of the issues that were uh, experienced in this foundation, and uh, kind of uh, came across the uh, chemical injection uh, grouting process and um, used it on that first house and then said, well, this is a pretty interesting uh, process and uh, started to build the business around uh, the technology and uh, the methods that he discovered, you know, kind of doing it on his own to figure it out. And builders became uh, interested in it and kind of grew the business from there. So 25 plus years later, um, I'm involved here as a second generation in the business and uh, our, our primary market that we focus on is, is residential um, foundations, um, although we do oh, probably about 10, 10% or so of, uh, of commercial work as well. But the, the vast majority of the work that we do are for homeowners, uh, just like uh, you know the rest of us around here, just have an issue in their foundation and have uh, tried all the uh, off-the-shelf products and kind of, you know, have given up and tried to find something uh, a little bit better and more robust. And, and that's where we come in and offer solutions. Got it. So are you guys primarily offer? I mean, obviously foundation crack repair, that's your focus. Um, what other services do you, do you guys offer? Yeah, I mean, foundation crack repair is the core of the business. It's what the uh, found, uh, the business was really founded on. But we also do um, all sorts of other foundation repairs as well. Um, we do structural repairs. Uh, we do um, older homes. So we're in the New England area. So we have a lot of homes that are built prior to 1920 with fieldstone foundations. Um, very common in this area. So we see a lot of fieldstone foundations that uh, that that we use uh, repointing techniques on. And uh, we actually use some of this uh, injection material in there as well to help, um, you know, waterproof from the inside out. 
and um, we, we install permanent lally columns uh, in these older homes and uh, we also do some sump pumps. So we're, we're, we basically stay uh, below the first level of, uh, of homes um, and we pretty much do everything in and around the foundation, whether the home is uh, concrete, stone or block, we kind of have a tool for every, every application. Sounds good. So with the homes you're typically working on, so you guys are, are um, sub, uh, suburbs of Boston, correct? Correct. So what, what, what type of age of substrates do you guys come across? And, you know, with, with that age, I'm assuming there's probably very little, uh, you know, if, if, not, if not lack, complete lack of membrane work, you know, or waterproofing on the yeah. positive side. But, um, you know, I'm sure oftentimes it's just unknown, you know, because of the, the age of the buildings. So yeah, you, you experience that? Yeah, it's, it's very common. Uh, I mean, obviously, when we're getting into stone foundations, you can pretty much, you know, not... <laughs> not have anything like that um you know you're really relying on the dirt there um no but for any as we get into earlier construction you know 1920s and into the 30s um you know concrete construction um you know it you know, your, your guess is as good as anybody's whether or not obviously nowadays when you get new construction and anything that was built in the last oh, 20 plus years uh you're more likely to have something there um, but even then, you know, the, as we know, those, uh, the, the tarring and the, the positive side waterproofing is, uh, is no good if there's a crack that opens up there that's more than a sixteenth of an inch wide. Um, so once you have that opening to the outside, um, regardless of whether or not there is some positive side waterproofing, usually there's still some chance that water is going to be coming through there. But yeah, these older homes, it's, it's, a, it's a guessing game, and, and usually it's, uh, it's not something we even really worry too much about because we know that they're having the homeowners having an issue and they're just looking to have it resolved. Certainly. Yeah. And the residential game in my experience, you know, so I've been in the chemical grouting industry for, I don't know, 15, 16 years, something like that. Um, professionally, I guess it's all I've done. Uh, so, you know, I've been around a, a large breadth of, of products, you know, from, from geographical considerations to, um, building or substrate age considerations. And, um, I, I really see the, the residential market is kind of a, it's kind of a different beast to be honest. I mean, there's, there, there's so much need obviously, cause you know, so, I mean, my parents have, you know, block walls that, that leak regularly, you know, and, uh, originally from Pennsylvania and, you know, these wet, these wet areas that, you know, with, uh, with basements, block basements, it's a, it's a huge problem, but, kind of the, the biggest thing I've seen is, is setting expectations. You know, I, I think that's probably the biggest challenge on the residential side where, you know, on the, <clears throat> on the commercial or industrial side or even civil side, you know, when, when we're looking at water control with chemical grouting, you know, say like a, a secant pile or a slurry wall, you know, uh, managing the water, say 90% is, is largely successful, you know, just controlling the water. Whereas on the residential side, you know, the, the expectations, setting expectations are just key. Cause if, you know, if you do Mrs. Jones's basement, obviously, and you know, it has a, even a little trickle of a leak that's still persistent, then that's, you know, that's deemed a failure. So do you, would you agree with that assessment that it's a different animal? And if so, how, how would you suggest, you know, you set expectations accordingly? Yeah. I mean, it is, it is a different animal um, because again, you're dealing with a person in their home. Um, so it's very personal to them. Uh, they don't, they're not, they don't care if you've got 98% of it, they don't want any water coming in. 
Um, so, uh, you know, most homes that we're dealing with, we know that we're going to be able to provide um, waterproofing for that house, um, you know, with a warranty on the work. The, um, there are some applications that are, that are just are, are going into it knowing that it's going to be a very big challenge, um, whether it is, a, like you said, a block wall, um, you know, or stone foundation, it's a you know, totally different game. But usually with the concrete construction, we're able to, to, to prevent water from, from coming in. Um, so, you know, but we do have that conversation with, with the homeowner that, you know, your expectation from, from us is that, is that you're going to have this, your problem solved and you'll get a warranty with that work. And if for some reason it does trickle in in this area, well, we're on the hook for it up to a, a certain period of time once the warranty expires. But, um, you know, usually we are able to get it um, in the vast majority of cases because, you know, for uh, residential construction, there aren't a ton of variables. They're, they're pretty standard um, construction. It's pretty standard concrete, um, you know, types and, and, and the, the admixtures that go in there are not, you know, crazy. So it's, um, it's a pretty well-known commodity as in terms of what you're getting. But the, pro the challenge is, is that the, the homeowner, it's, it's, it's their home. It's, it's personal to them. So, um, you know, it's a big part of our business is to make sure that we get it right. And so we, we make sure we take our time and, and really, um, you know, evaluate how this wall is um, presenting and how, uh, if there's deflection on it where one side's pushed out, if is there structural issues that are going on with it besides just a little bit of a crack? Has the, has the footing dropped? Is the compaction of the soil a question here? Um, so there's all these things. Do they have gutters? Do they have uh, perimeter drains? Do they, you know, what other mechanisms do they have here on this house to help um, really alleviate their concerns? But, you know, we try to evaluate everyone case by case just to make sure that, you know, all expectations are set, but in general, we're trying to get these things airtight and watertight, um, you know, on the first shot. That's the idea, certainly. Yep. So you, you mentioned, it, you, you touched on it, you know, the, the block wall is, you know, I think on the, on the resident, as far as chemical grounding goes for leak seal, in my opinion, block wall, you know, hydrostatic conditions, um, well, even sometimes even more challenging would be like seasonal, seasonal uh, leaking conditions, you know, where you don't necessarily uh, see your results uh, at the time of application. Uh, how do you, how do you assess, say a block, an old block wall, you know, water infiltration, floor wall joints, uh, you know, uh, footer, footer geometry unknown, you know, membrane unknown. Could you walk us through a little bit, um, you know, kind of how you, how you guys would, would assess something like that? Yeah, I mean, block block construction is is always, I, I think, one of the most challenging applications in the residential market because with the stone stone walls, uh, field stone walls, while they're all like a fingerprint as being you know individual and unique, um, you know, materials are very basic, and the you know the structure was never meant to be a, a totally you know impervious layer. Whereas block construction, did they fill the cells? Did they not fill the cells? Is there a footing? Is there no footing? What's the age of this construction? Um, you know, block construction for us in, in the Northeast is, is pretty common to be in the 20s and 30s and, and sometimes even earlier. So you have these, you know, 100-year-old blocks that have been sitting there. Um, you know, some of them have been painted, you know, you know, 25 times over the years, right? So right. Um, 
those are the most challenging. So a, a lot of times it's, you know, looking for obvious signs of, of water. I mean, you know, it's, it's almost sometimes what we do is almost so basic. It's, it's silly, but it's, you, you walk into the house and, and you, you try to evaluate um, as, as you see. Uh, so are there obvious flaws in the foundation walls that are, you know, whether it's a crack, whether it's a vertical crack showing that a footing has dropped or there's been some differential settling? Or do you see a step crack or a bulge in the foundation wall, which is suggesting a, um, a lateral movement with the you know, soil pressures or a tree or whatnot? It might be outside the root system pushing on it. So you really try to evaluate um, you know, the flaws first, see what those are, and if that is the source of the issue. And then if that's not the source of the issue, or if that's not really, you don't see anything like that, is it just... Uh, you know, are we dealing with ancient, uh, you know, concrete, you know, CMUs that are just, you know, having water pour through them? Um, and in those cases, if they're not painted, now you're really talking about negative side waterproofing for what we do. I mean, there's other things you can do on the outside that is not in, in our um, company's, you know, wheelhouse. But what we do is all the negative side waterproofing uh, techniques, whether it's uh, usually we're not injecting, but sometimes it could be injection. It could be using uh, carbon fiber technologies. It could be using uh, crystallized quartz um, based cementitious uh, materials. Um, could be another um, crystallized quartz based sprays to help um, create a hydraulic barrier. So there's, there's a number of things to it, but it always starts with trying to, identify the areas where you're having issues and a lot of times homeowners will say well how do i know and where it's coming in from and usually what will you know the, the process is pretty archaic in terms of what it is but running a garden hose out and outside because everyone has a garden hose generally and an outside spigot and letting it run in the areas where they think it's coming in from and just letting it run for you know 20 30 minutes at a time with 10 minute intervals of it being off to allow it to saturate the soil usually starts to tell us exactly where the water's coming in from. Um, you know, maybe it's at that floor wall seam. And are you looking at uh, you know, putting in material on that floor wall seam? Well, what if it's the whole wall? And well, now you're dealing with a hydraulic table issue. So you might be looking at a sump pump system or, or similar. So it's really, you know, every, every situation is, is unique in a lot of ways, but a lot of them are really just trying to evaluate problem areas and, and the philosophy of our business and A1 Foundation Crack Repair is to address the problems um, as they are versus trying to, you know, swing for the fences and, and give you a whole, you know, whole house solutions um, that, you know, 95% of the basement doesn't need, but one area might. So we really try to focus on the problem areas because again, because homes are so personal and they're, you know, where your family are and you store all your personal belongings in the basement, uh, really the goal for any homeowner is just keep it dry, keep it dry, yeah. keep the humidity levels and moisture levels down. So, so we really try to just focus on that. Yeah. You touched on a, a good point though. You know, you, you mentioned that, you know, every, every situation is different, you know, for you to solve the problem. And I think that is a, an important distinction about chemical grouting as well, that, you know, we, you know, our company is very honest. We, we feel with the, and transparent, you know, with clients, you know, and we always say, if you can, if you can expose the positive side and apply a new membrane system, I mean, that's, you know, that's your go-to, right? So, um, and that, that wouldn't involve chemical grout at all. So, you know, we're, we're very honest about that and chemical grouting is kind of a, it's, it's a, 
club to have in your bag, so to speak, when, when there really are no other options, you know, in that below grade setting. Um, so I, you know, we always try to also set that expectation that we're here to, to help <laughs> address this problem that you have. You know, we didn't create the problem, but we're going to try to find a solution. Um, you know, and sometimes that takes, as you're saying, you know, a, kind of a, a cocktail of, of treatments, you know, maybe you're a little crack injection, maybe a little curtain grouting, you know, even down to a sub pump, um, which kind of leads me into another discussion. We, <clears throat> we were in some meetings last week and uh, we were talking to some companies about, you know, doing some, um, some drain options uh, on the, you know, on the negative side. And uh, it sounds like you guys do that as well. When would you, when would you opt for, you know, water diversion such as a drain in lieu of, uh, or in place of chemical grouting? Yeah. So we, we actually don't really get into drain systems. So say we, we do some pumps, but we don't do perimeter drain systems. Um, in, in general, most homes are not a best, you know, a really good candidate for it. I mean, they, they're in older homes where you have, you know, maybe no footing at all, um, or it's a fieldstone foundation and your goal is to be 100% dry because you want to turn it into living space. Um, that's where a perimeter drain might be a better option. Um, sometimes where we have the precast bulkheads that are just, you know, the, the compaction of the soil was really poor uh, when they dropped it in there after they dropped it in there and tightened it up. Um, we have, you know, you just have too much movement. And so that seal around the, uh, the foundation to the precast section is just, it's too much uh, movement on an annual basis with a freeze and thaw cycle. So you see putting, um, you know, a grate in front of the door to help um, alleviate any sort of flooding into the basement there. Um, but in general, uh, you know, our, our philosophy again is to really deal with the problem that it, there is first and if there is an area where it's just, there's too much water coming in in different areas because it's, you know, you have a, it was built on a swamp land uh, that nobody knew about until they unearthed some drawings from, you know, 1915, um, you know, then, then you're dealing with a, a different issue there. So, um, but yeah, I would say in general, most of the, you know, the vast majority of the applications that we see are not good candidates for, um, for these, but it could be a more of a, you know, a pinpoint kind of approach of, of trying to deal with each area individually. But again, every house is its own complications and every house has its own uh, unique challenges that we have to work around. And, and sometimes uh, the perimeter drain system is the best solution, but uh, it generally can be solved a little bit more cost effectively than, than trying to dig out the four inches of uh, concrete around your perimeter. Right. Right. So in a more general sense with, with the chemical grouting industry, what, what do you think? And I may be putting you on the spot here a little bit, um, but what do you, what do you think is, is lacking or what could be improved in the industry? Do you have, do you have any opinions on that? Maybe from a, a product standpoint, maybe from, um, you know, maybe from a, a service standpoint from manufacturer side, do you, do you have any thoughts on that? You know, I, I've had a, a pretty unique entry into this industry because I'm I'm from totally outside of the industry. Even though this is a family business, I actually spent the first ten plus years of my career as a manufacturer rep in a fire protect in the fire protection space. Um, 
so I, I, I'm coming at this industry as a, as a very different set of eyes. Um, you know, I was actually an engineer in uh, civil engineering, and I would, I would definitely say that it's a niche industry in a lot of ways, um, which prevents its uh, usage, I think, because it's, I don't think it's, it's well taught um, and on an educational level. And I don't think the awareness is very high um, amongst a lot of uh, engineering uh, firms as well, uh, because it's it's a process that is is unique in a lot of ways, but it's not you know revolutionary. Um, and I think while it's one tool in the tool belt, as we, as we discussed, I think having that in, in an engineer's hands is very important because um, a lot of times solutions that are um, kind of tried more often or um, you know may have a higher success rate on the positive side are just cost prohibitive and you know the building is not set up to be able to do that kind of stuff post construction um, and where chemical grouting really just to, you know is is the best most cost effective high results solution for um, for that particular application um, so I would definitely say that on a commercial level that the, the grouting process needs to, to have a little bit higher expansion in terms of um, in, in educational areas to make sure that kids coming out of schools and going in for their PEs and trying to get, um, you know, their feet under them and, and provide solutions to their clients know that this is a, is a proper solution that is tried and true and is very successful. Um, in my world, where it's a lot of residential, um, that's half of what my job is on a day-to-day -day conversation with a customer, is explaining what we're doing, because it's, it's a lot of black magic in their eyes, because it's, it's something totally different. They were looking for the, uh, the black spray in the can that uh, you used to spray in the bottom of your screen door boat there um, off the shelf right. uh, as, as a solution, and they're trying to figure out why it didn't work. Um, and, and really, so we're trying to just educate them a little bit as well, but, um, you know, one, we've had projects in the past where the, they've spent a tremendous amount of time on the specifications, uh, and the, and the procedures on how to address, um, an issue. Uh, we had a project at a, at a wastewater treatment plant where it's, you know, 24 inch wall, thick walls with rebar everywhere, you know, tall, I think I forget how tall they were, but they were tall, um. And, you know, and, and they're just trying to, there's not a lot of experience. There's not a lot of, there wasn't a lot of manufacturer, you know, help in terms of how to really identify the process to, to, uh, to do this successfully. And so when we get in there and, and we look at the specifications, it's, you know, it's, it's cobbled together by somebody who has never seen this process in, in the real world. And, um, you know, it was essentially set up for failure in a lot of ways because, the, the process was wrong for this particular application and, um, you know, trying to go through change orders of, of on the process was, was a very difficult situation just because we knew as a contractor doing it for as long as we have that um, the amount of time and effort that they were going to be focused on their particular process was going to be set up incorrectly um, and set up for failure, mostly because, again, they had a set of, um, you know, people on this thing who have read about it and were very, you know, uh, unaware of you know the infield techniques that are required to be successful in it and really just tried to be by the book on it um, without any sort of experience so I, I think that the industry would would be 
be a huge, you know, there'd be a huge benefit across the board in my eyes um, to really start at the educational level, um, you know, civil engineering programs, construction management programs, um, to really focus uh, on that. And I think, you know, manufacturers have some responsibility as well as, uh, you know, uh, contractors as well to kind of, you know, give a two-prong approach so that people are educated both on the, uh, the, the technology of itself and the actual application and how it gets done. Couldn't agree more. Uh, first of all, though, you mentioned the, the spray on, you know, the spray on black stuff. Um, <laughs> I'm not right. sure if we're allowed to call it by name, but you know. Right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, but it's funny you bring that up because uh, you, you got to tip your cap from a sales and marketing standpoint. I mean, those, those infomercials are fantastic, you know, but uh, it's, yeah, I mean, we, we, act, we actually came out to a job um, where they, they sprayed that on, and, and this was a, uh, this was like an underpass. So it was a, the city was the client, you know, for a new, <laughs> a new roadway. So, I mean, pretty high level sort of uh, recommendation and we couldn't, couldn't believe that that's, you know, what was recommended as a spray on from the, uh, from the negative side. But um, no, our technical director, Charlie often says, you know, I've heard it in his, in his pitch, you know, in, in many presentations that, you know, our biggest challenge isn't another competitor in, in the industry, you know, really is in the industry as a whole, our biggest challenge is education. And, you know, if we could, if we could fully educate the engineering and design professional world, you know, on, on product selection and, you know, why and where and, and how, you know, the, the chemical grouting industry as a whole would probably be much, much larger, you know, as far as a, a market size, you know, we see a lot of, a lot of times people will just go out there and, and, and typically it's just a, a technique or a mixing issue. You know, maybe they're drilling too sharp of an angle or they're not, you know, pumping enough material or maybe they mixed it incorrectly or maybe they're simply using a gel where they should have used a foam and vice versa. You know, you, you go out on a job and you make those mistakes and sometimes those associated engineers and consultants have a bad taste in their mouth. Um, so I, I, I couldn't agree with you more on the education piece. Um, but to the, to the education piece, I also have a... Um, a, a contact of mine who's kind of has a, uh, an architectural background um, that, that got him into the industry. And one of the things that, <clears throat> that he's told me a, a few times, and you know, he went on to have a, a just a, a superb career uh, in construction chemicals. But, you know, one of the things that we talk about a lot is, you know, through engineering and architectural studies, you know, there's a ton of book work, obviously. Right. I mean, you, know, you you said that you're an engineer by education, correct, Sybil? Yep. You know, so what we really feel like one of the things that's missing is just that job site stuff. You know, I mean, we we talk about where do we find talent, you know, and that's a big thing in in our world, especially being so 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 niche of an of an application. How do you find talent? You know, and one of the things that we we like to look at is, hey, let's get somebody with an engineering mind, such as yourself, right? Engineering or architectural mind that just knows buildings and knows knows the X's and O's, so to speak, of, of the construction world and just get them on site, you know, just to learn. And we think that could be a kind of a, the, the one, two punch, you know, to, to really get good, good, competent people out there. Cause I mean, you're, you're a perfect example of it, right? I mean, you come in with a very high level of understanding of the construction world and building in general, and then couple that with some field training and you're, pretty lethal as far as, you know, your effectiveness in, in the field. Um, 
So to that point, how, how long do you think it takes, say somebody coming out of college, you know, I have a, I, I have a bachelor's in engineering. Um, you know, maybe I, maybe I don't want to work in an engineering firm. Maybe I want to get into the sales side with a, you know, with a manufacturer of building products, right? Um, how long do you think it takes field time with chemical grouting until you're kind of up and running and you really know the nuances of, of a lot of what, what happens out there? Uh, that's a tough question. Um, I mean, I, I'll kind of use myself as a little bit of an example because, you know, while I had been around it for a while, because I had gone my own path for a period of time right out of school, it was kind of just there and didn't really know much about it. I think it's, it's I mean, in doing it every day, it, it was a, a good you know, again, with my educational background of being an engineer in the civil engineering space, knowing building and construction, it took me a good two, three months of everyday hands-on um, application to really understand the limitations, the successes, how it works, why it works, where it's going, which product is going to be most successful in which application. Um, before it was, you know, I, I, I was comfortable, you know, being able to see the solution before I even put a, a drill to the wall. Um, and the, the unfortunate thing is, is that, you know, I was able to rely on years of, of construction experience and being in these, you know, green builds. Um, whereas somebody who might be right out of school has never been on a site, has never thrown on the hard hat in the vest and walked around. So there's, there's a whole learning curve to that as well. Um, it, but again, it, the field experience I think is, is, is critical in, in any industry. And especially as you get more and more isolated niche industries, your opportunity to learn it is, is few and far between on a, on a study level. And so the really the field experience becomes, becomes your, your classroom. Um, so, so, you know, when we, when we bring people on and turn talks about, you know, firing, finding good people, uh, you know, if we find somebody who has any experience in injection grouting, it's, you know, it's a diamond in the, you know, it's, we, it's a needle in a haystack, so to speak. So there's, there's a significant uh, training curve on our end to bring, you know, talented people who have these construction experience to a level of being able to be, uh, proficient in, in, in the trade. Um, so I, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough thing because everyone's individual, but the, the, you know, the more time in the field I think is, is critical because of, again, if you, if you happen to be taught it in some educational level, um, it was a blip on the radar. Um, and it was quickly moved past as part of the, you know, envelope, uh, you know, envelope education study. Um, Whereas, whereas the actual time in the field is really, you know, becomes your classroom, like I said. Absolutely. And, you know, to your point though, or kind of to the, the point, you know, two to three months was effectively your, you know, your uh, gut, gut visceral reaction there to yeah. time in the field. I mean, that compared to some other industries, that's not, that's not all that long, you know, to, no, no, to no, no, but that was, that was an everyday application too. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you take like a manufacturer rep, for instance, who might be on site once a month for a few hours, 
right? right. To, to add that time up to be two months, <laughs> you know, constant trained would take years, you know, to, to yeah, become that, that, that well-versed. And like anything, you know, I've, I've lived in that sales role as a manufacturer's sales rep. And while you may know the spec sheet, you know, of your product inside and out, um, that's not, that doesn't tell you the whole story of the product that you're going to use. It's when it's applied in the field, whether it's a, a pump or a truck or a crane or a chemical grouting. Uh, it's, it's the performance in the real world beyond the spec sheet that really tell, that tells you or, or completes the picture of, of your education on your product. Um, so if, for those who are on the manufacturing side, you know, it, it, time in that field, actually doing the work, I think is, is you know, one of the most critical parts of it. For sure. I mean, uh, you know, we, <clears throat> we liken it to a, a mechanic, you know, who can listen to an engine and, you know, give you a pretty good idea of what he's up against, you know, very similar in the field. Uh, Charlie, who I mentioned has, I mean, I think he's been in a field, field services role for, you know, 15, 16 years as well. And, you know, he can tell, he can kind of tell you what's happening by the way the hose is jumping, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, on each, on each stroke, um, you know, in the sound of the stroke, for instance. And, you know, there's a lot of that mechanic sort of level field support that just, just isn't that readily available in the chemical grouting world. You know, I mean, we, we put Charlie in the field, field services director role because, uh, and, and this isn't, you know, this is not intended to go into a sales pitch, but just to your point that you know, a lot of manufacturers are kind of shying away from the, the field, the field support, you know, where you, you have to be out there seeing so many customers and making so many calls. And, you know, it's, it's like a telemarketing, <laughs> you know, solution sometimes for an industry that is so critical, uh, you know, for accuracy in the field, you know, so I, I agree with you completely. And we actually tell our guys, you know, you said you had experience on the, you know, on the sales side of it from manufacturer. And we tell all of our, all of our guys and girls, you know, get, get in the field and spend time with the contractors. I mean, I've, I still go out in the field. I was just on a job, you know, a couple Fridays ago, uh, we were doing polyacrylate gel injection. I was, you know, I was on the gun and I was saying to the technicians, you guys tell me, you know, inst- instruct me a little bit what you see out here. Cause the, you know, a couple of people that were out there were, had significant experience. And to your exact point, manufacturers can read spec sheets and tell you, you know, uh, little nuances of performance from a TDS, but until you know kind of what the gun feels like, it, the guys in the field are still probably head and shoulders above, above you. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's always tough to be in that role where you're supposed to be the expert and asking for help. <laughs> so it's, I've been, I've been in those, those situations. It's always uncomfortable as, as being on the manufacturer side to say, well, okay, well, what would you guys do here? And, right. You know, yeah, but, the guy with 30 years of experience. Yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, I think it takes a little humility and, and honesty, you know, I mean, we, you know, we have, um, we have one regional manager who's really young in the industry. I mean, you know, he's, he's aggressive and smart and, you know, his, his acumen for this is, is very high and his learning curve has been, you know, uh, has been great, but you know, we tell him, Hey, you're, you know, you're, you're so young in the industry. Just don't, you don't have to know everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, the, the one thing I really like about this industry is that I, I feel like the, on the contractor side, everyone is very, 
you know, I mean, talking to Rich so many times throughout the years, you know, he's always so, um, you know, so generous with his information and how he does things. And, you know, usually when I talk to him, it turns into a half hour conversation about some different technique that he uses that I, I didn't know about, <laughs> you know, so, you know, there, there's just no substitute for that interaction with the contractors in my opinion. Absolutely. Totally agree. So, okay, well, we're hitting, we're hitting a, uh, you know, our timing mark here. Uh, I, I wish we could go, go on. You know, we wanted to get into some of your, you know, some of your unique projects. Maybe that could be topics for, you know, another episode down the line. Um, but uh, do you have any, any final, final shots? You want to tell us anything else about, uh, about your business, for instance, or maybe, you know, geographically what you guys service, um, you know, anything to that? Yeah, I'd be happy to plug the business. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, we service uh, all of Southern New England. Um, Massachusetts is our is our home, but uh, we, we go through Rhode Island, Southern New Hampshire, into uh, Connecticut as well. Um, you know, we've been doing this for 25 plus years now. It's a family owned and operated uh, business here. We try to treat it like a family owned and operated business. Everyone who we talk to is as a customer or a potential customer is, uh, is, you know, we take it as personal as, as they do for the, the issues that they have. And we want to make sure that we're providing the right solutions to them. And, and uh, we're not just here to, to, you know, sell product or sell, you know, service. We're here to, you know, solve their problems because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many things we put at it. If we don't fix it, it's not right. And, uh, and people don't want to live with that. So we try to make sure we do the right thing or, uh, you know, for that customer in that house. And, and go from there and you know we look forward to having you know my daughter who's uh, six years old likes to come out on Saturdays and take a look at some of the jobs uh, that we go out on so you know hopefully in another 20 years maybe she'll be uh, she'll be ready to take the take the, the uh, business to the next level nice I'm sure she loves seeing the the foam most most children really love that oh yeah they're big they're big fans of uh, when I when I come back with a little sample for them to, to see Oh yeah, there's always little trinkets around the house of, of uh, whether they're injection packers or, or you know, sample cases that they, they always ask questions on. So, you know, keeps keeps the uh, the fire on, on our side as well to see them excited about something. That's great. All right, Adam, well, appreciate your time and um, please pass on our appreciation to Rich as well for lining this up and, uh, you know, carving out the time for us and uh, look forward to talking to you more down the line. All right, thanks, Ryan. Good for having us. Okay, thanks a lot.